Hello world, welcome to another week of Golf Subpar. Colt Nost and Drew Stoltz right off the airplane from beautiful sunny Florida. Sleaze, what a time we had. What a session down there. Wow. All By right. the way, I didn't realize how far Arizona and Florida were apart until I had <laughs> oh, to go didn't? through across the entire United States <laughs> to get there. Holy God, what an episode it was getting to and from there. But man, was it worth it. That was a, that was that's a hard one to beat that there, what we just had. Yeah, we will dive deep into that here in a little bit. But first we gotta give a big shout out to Brian Gay, forty eight years old, getting his fifth PGA tour win. He beat Wyndham Clark in a playoff, which was kind of tough for us. I'm, I like Brian Gay a lot, but Wyndham Clark being a, a past guest on Golf Subpar, I was really pulling hard for him. Yeah, no no disrespect to Brian Gay. Congratulations. I was rooting my ass off for Dub, obviously. Mm-hmm. My kid, my pupil, my, 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 my one pupil that I helped mold into what he is today. He has but, yet to uh, admit that, by the way. He knows it, though, subconsciously. He just doesn't want to bring it up on the air. But, yeah, dude, good to see him play well. Good to see him in the hunt. Uh, tough, tough L for him, but... I think um, once he gets one, he goes. He, he looked really good, and just the sky's the limit for that kid. So. Yeah, he did. He had a putt to win and then got really aggressive with it, made a nice little four-footer coming back. To How about that one, dude? We, you and I were sitting there watching. I was like, yeah. that's probably not the one you want coming back. Uh-uh. Yeah, I didn't really – yeah, didn't expect him to a have A little aggressive, back, but, but yeah. he went for it. I, I like that he went for it. There's exactly. no doubt about he didn't that. Get it up there. Brian Gay did what Brian Gay does, makes makes putts. Hits it straight and makes a shitload of putts. Yeah. That's exactly so what he hats does. hats off to him. But, Sleaze, we just got back. From West Palm Beach, Florida. Spent three days down there. Played some golf. Did some interviews. It was an absolute blast. We had Justin Thomas, yeah. Ricky Fowler, Matthew Wolf. Correct. What a time it was. The interviews are great. Those are coming out here soon. But there was some golf played as well. Yes, let's get to this because I'm getting bombarded on Twitter right now. Like what happened, all this stuff. So we need to clear the air, go through it right now. Let's set, let's set, set the whole table for him here. Where were we playing all of that? Yeah, so we're Friday night. We're at Justin Thomas's house yeah. filming. We're going to play golf on Saturday because we had the day off. Our interview with Matthew Wolf wasn't until Sunday. So we're having a couple pops over at JT's house. Ricky's there. We start talking a little bit, get the match going. It ended up being Justin Thomas and myself versus you and Ricky Fowler. Correct. At, at Grove 23, Michael Correct. Jordan's golf course. And um, as you said, I would make a great GM. I know how to pick them. I got to say, I don't know. After after two days of being down there, uh, I don't know what you're feeding your horses, but they run for you. They run their asses off. I don't know if you're giving them the spurs or the carrot, but the boys are moving. I said I was the fattest jockey in history. And <laughs> he had a couple, my horse couple to of thoroughbreds. <laughs> I was looking over at times like, damn, I'm not even. I'm playing pretty good, and we we're getting drummed over. Yep. I was looking, they birdied the last. Like, I was like, you birdied the last five, last yep. six. Yeah, I was like, added up at the end. I was like, oh my god, was some saw some really good golf though. I mean, I mean, it, the wind blew 20, 25 miles an hour on on Saturday, and I mean, Grove's it's not crazy hard or anything, but Justin Thomas, I mean, he's just he's so impressive. Goes out and shoots eight under par sixty four. Like, and it was just like snooze fest. At the end fest. of the day, I was like, I was adding up, like, oh yeah, eight under, no bogeys. Okay. Snooze fest looked easy. It's like not, nothing. I mean, there wasn't any weird putts or chip ins or anything like that. Just it's incredible. All I mean, of a sudden, they, that kid is clicking right now. I mean, obviously we saw it recently. He had a chance to win, but I mean, you got to be looking ahead. If he ain't on week. your short list, then Whew. I don't know who is because uh, and we saw it firsthand this week and it looked about as clean as it's going to look. I mean, like you said, 20, 25 mile an hour wind. That's heavy wind on there yeah. too. Chipping, putting, hit, irons look great. I mean, every, obviously you don't shoot eight under without everything looking great, but he was a force to he be does reckoned it all. with. Yeah. There's no doubt. And you had Ricky Fowler as a partner who's going through some swing changes right now. Kind of got off to a slow start, but then he got hot in the middle. Made yes. a big comeback. Um, he's he's close, I feel like. I, I do too. I feel like there's there's – we saw stretches with the driver. I was like, damn, those are like, he was really moving it, really hitting it. I think he hit the best shot that I saw all week. If I had to go through like most impressive shot of the week, 
Second day when you were playing with Wolf on 11, the par five into the wind, into like a pretty strong wind, 15, 20 miles an hour. Everybody had 270 to the whole back flag into probably playing 290, you know, mm -hmm. something like that and hit the driver off the deck, like yeah. the high cut that landed on the green and then <laughs> and release. Like you don't see many drivers uh, coming in that soft. But yeah, I mean, it, there's no question like his game is there. I think it's just a matter of some confidence for Rick, a couple good rounds, a, couple, a good tournament here or there. Like when we were in the car with him, he was talking about it like. I'm not playing that bad, dude. I'll just have two or three really bad shots that cost me two shots a peak. You know what I mean? It'll cost me six shots right there. Like he was talking about Vegas and some of the wedges and things like that. So yeah. it's like, it's not far off. It's just my, my shots. I'm, I'm not getting much out of it right now. Yeah, yep, for sure. And this was also my first time to play with Matthew Wolf. We played with him on Saturday down, or Sunday down there. He was my partner. I took, I, I took him, wrote you him to him too. Once you again. fed him well too. But um, man, it's, you know, he's, his game's interesting to me. Like, he can hit it a little wild, but then he always seems to recover very well. I mean, he's got so much time. He's still kind of raw, in my opinion. Like, he's going to continue to get better and better and better. Yeah, as he gets refined, you said it best. Like, there's still some shots. Like, he had a couple crooked drives or whatever, but you can just see the sound of that ball coming off the face is, is pretty rare. Like, mm -hmm. there's not many guys I can name where, like, it's got that heavy hit and it's just up and it's fat and it's, it's a long ways away really quickly. He can hit higher than almost anyone uh, I've seen with the driver, at least. And that was. That was the first thing I noticed when I walked onto the range. It was just like, I mean, I, 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 I'd hit balls with him before and stuff, but I just didn't remember it. But I step out of the cart, and he's hitting balls, and he just hits his first iron. And it's just whoosh. It's, it's, like, heavy. So it's just loud. like the balls like, on that face for a long time. You yeah. know what I mean? It's just coming out of the center, it feels like, every time. And some of those drives, even when we'd get into the wind, he'd hit occasional, like, he hits it really high, obviously. And some of these ones were, that's, like, spinning. And I was like, that's not going to be that far. You know, that's spinning. That's going to get eaten. And then it would land, and I'd be like, holy shit. How did it how, It yeah. still flew 293 into That's the one thing I thought where Justin was so far ahead of the others, though. Is just controlling it into up the and wind. down trajectory. Yeah, like he, can, he can control his fly a little bit. I thought well, that's the one thing Wolf kind of needs to work on a little bit is controlling his ball into the wind. Like even on one iron shot, he's like, I like seven here, but I got to I got to hammer it and flight it, and it just kind of went up in the air and got smoked. And I'm like, that's the one thing I feel like he he kind of needs to work on. And that's probably like that's a common thing you and I talk about like on the radio. Like when guys first come out, super talented, they're they're not like just take Justin Thomas for instance, perfect example. I feel like when he came first came out. It was a lot of full swings with wedges, things like that. And now you look at him, he's one of the best, if not the best, for your money, wedge players changing up his tempo, changing up the flight and trajectory and things like that. And I think it's just one of those things that probably as he gets older, um, you know, that gets tightened up. But just watching him hit it, like it's – I mean, I don't know how many guys there are if, – if Matthew Wolf really went at one as hard as he can, I don't know how many guys out there can, can put it past him. Yeah, it's can, a small number if there's any. But I'll tell you this. Playing with those three over those two days – Made me very happy that I'm sitting behind this microphone. Oh, right my now. God. <laughs> Same thing. I was like, uh, I know I've been out for a while and I never was really threatening these dudes. But Jesus, I don't care yeah. what you do. I could I could take every performance enhancer in the world. Go see every. It's not even. They're so good, man. So good. Yeah. It, it's it's a joke right now. It is. Uh, and, and Grove 23, by the way, got to thank them. Yeah, for let's the hospitality. talk about that. I mean, the place is just awesome. I mean, clubhouse, incredible. The grill room. I mean, the ultimate hangout. If you want to watch some football have some cocktails. Yeah. Just the whole place is just beautiful. It was MJ did an unbelievable place for that the pro shop. If you're a Jordan fan, you're in heaven. You can spend some money. And I don't mm -hmm. think the, the shop's going to struggle for business out there, but yeah, really cool place just to kind of give a rundown of what it looks like. There's, there's no trees anywhere on property. It's out there. It's pretty exposed. So the wind blows every day. Um, the clubhouse really modern, really like, you know, kind of new looking, but it's not anything massive. It's like pretty no. simple, but very clean. And there's just not that many people out there, but the guys that are out there, like you see some dudes. I mean, it's kind of like Scottsdale up here, right? Like they're kind of all congregate in one area. I feel like, and you never know who you're going to see yeah. uh, when you walk in out there. Yeah. We're in there having lunch Sunday after the round. 
me, you, Justin, Ricky, Wolf, and Justin's girlfriend, Jill. All of a sudden, Dustin Johnson strolls up, pulls up a chair. Yeah, a seat, hangs, yeah. Normal stuff. Yeah, AJ was going out to play or whatever. I mean, yeah. it's just that's where all the dudes hang out. I feel like Jordan builds a spot, and you get an yeah. invite to join there, you're probably going to use it. And the practice facility is just world class. That's probably why all those – I mean, there's so many good golf courses down there. I think that's probably why most of the guys gravitate towards there. A, they can be there, and no one's going to bother them. There's no, hey, you know, yeah. you're not getting hassled. No one cares because there's a ton of other guys just like that. But the facilities are awesome. Double-sided range, a lot of short game. And um, the greens were, for this time of year, I thought yeah, it very was good down there. Yeah. yeah. So if you ever get a chance to go check out Grove 23, do it. You will like it. But, please, let's get to this week's guest. Very interesting interview. Paul Bissonette, otherwise known as Biz Nasty yes. of Spit and Chicklets. It was very entertaining. Yeah, if you've ever listened to Spit and Chicklets, uh, they've got a huge show there at Barstool talking hockey. You kind of know what you're getting into. And uh, it's 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 so fun having like a golfer. And it's kind of like, I don't want to say like PC or button, but you know, they, they're aware of what. And then you get like a NHL guy, especially on, on like Barstool where they say whatever the hell they want. Like mm-hmm. he just lets it rip and lets it fire. So it's like a total different interview. But. Dude, what a, what a stud, and uh, I mean, pretty cool. Like the, he made his way, just kind of yeah. being a tough dude and beating people. He's like, that's how I needed to get to the league, and that's so that's that was my best shot, and that's yeah. what I did. And they are absolutely killing it over at Spitting Chicklets. But like he said at the end, he goes, "Dude, I just let it go, and then y'all can edit it whatever y'all want at the end." <laughs> yeah. So when we got done with it, I was like, "That was really really fun." I wonder how much of that won't make it yeah. <laughs> because there's definitely some that won't. But all right, but before we get to uh, biz nasty. A word from our official sponsor, Rockform. Sleaze, we had these speakers down at Grove 23. They were bumping. Everybody was having a great time. There might have been a little few dance moves thrown out around the golf course. You never know. Couple moves, couple moves. We did have them down there at the Grove thumping. There's not a lot of people complaining about music down there, so you could do whatever you want. But these things are great. They, they're extremely loud. You put them right out. The magnet is, is really strong. You can go over any kind of bumps. Doesn't doesn't mess it up. And you can link it to your phone, which I like too. If you just need a quick call, I don't want to be anybody that's out there on the phone for a long time. Be like, hey, stop bothering me. I'll call you later. Bam. You can take it right there on the rock. Phone. And if you want to get real rowdy, you can pair two of them together. It's awesome. And as we've Always say it's waterproof, which is huge because when you get a little too, few too many, things get spilled. It you know? can happen. But with rock form, happen. you're fine. Absolutely. So definitely. These things are built to last. Yeah. And go out there. Get your rock form speaker. It is absolutely incredible. Go to rockform.com and enter code subpar for 25% off. That's code subpar at R-O-K-F-O-R-M.com for 25% off rock form speakers. All right. Here he is. Paul Bissonette, otherwise known as Biz Nasty on Golf Subpar. All right, we have a very special guest in the house today, NHL veteran, host of the Spit and Chicklets podcast on Barstool Sports. Colt, safe to say, arguably the toughest bastard we've ever had in studio here. Paul, Biz Nasty, Bissonette, what's up, my brother? What's going on? I like the podcast because they pump your tires at the start. They do, yeah. I feel like you kind of have to. Very uplifting. We got to go hard at the beginning, you know what I mean? We got to bring a guy in. Love it. But it is is true. You guys are killing it over at Spittin' Chicklets. It's it's really cool to see. It's it's been fun. I mean, Ryan and uh, and R.A. did a good job off the start and then grabbing Mikey, the producer, to to improve sound quality and and all the technical stuff and growing the social media. And then... uh, after I'd established myself as, as far as media with the Coyotes, after my first year when they'd been eliminated uh, in the regular season, I was like, you know what, let's uh, let's jump on this thing full time. And it's it's been awesome. It's been life changing. I'm very grateful that I did it. And, uh, you know, I'd never thought that I'd uh, I never thought that I'd find something to be more passionate about than my my NHL career. Yeah. And, and it's it's probably surpassed that at this point. I was going to ask, because like a lot of athletes, obviously, when they're when their career is coming to an end in their sport, they don't know what the hell they're going to do. 
did you always kind of plan on going into like the media, TV, radio kind of thing? So once uh, the Twitter had exploded a little bit, and that's a shout out to Scotty Upshaw who convinced me to get on it. I was very, uh, I was very anti-Twitter when I, because you know everyone at first everyone thought it was just like to update people as to what you were going to do, like mm-hmm. hey heading here, heading there, and then once you once I realized that you were able to show your personality on it, and then it it, it blew up. Um, given the fact that I was playing in Arizona and they were pretty loose. Like if I was playing in a big market, I wouldn't have been able to tweet the stuff I was tweeting. So then it just it gained a big following. And I think that ultimately I, I knew that I would go in that direction. I didn't know that. I didn't even know what podcasts were when I mm-hmm. started it. But ultimately it drove me down this this road. And uh, and yeah, it's, it's great. It, it, one thing it does is it provides you that, that locker room presence mm-hmm. again. Where I didn't play much, I was kind of the guy who filled up water bottles, stuck stuck up for his teammate. I was I was a healthy scratch more games in, with the Coyotes than I played, and just being back with that, that in that locker room feel with that camaraderie and interviewing guys and bantering is is kind of fil- filled that void. That's awesome. Yeah. How did it come to be with Barstool? Like, so you got out of you were you're big on Twitter and doing all that stuff, but how did the opportunity with with Barstool come along to do like spit and chicklets with Whitney? Well, they, they were already with them. They, I believe Barstool picked them up after they'd done probably 15, 20 podcasts. And just at the time, they had that infrastructure set up and, and they were on the uprise. And from when I joined to now, I think they just moved into that New York studio mm-hmm. when I joined with, with Barstool. And now they, within, I think, two years, they had to move to that even bigger building and it's turned into a juggernaut. So I'm really grateful at the fact that they had a sales team in place. They had a formula in order to grow the social, in order to, you know, f- basically direct more listeners to our podcast. And it's treated a lot like a business. I mean, we try to have as much fun as possible, but behind the scenes, there was a lot of work to be done and, and definitely grateful that we were with Barstool in order to help with all that stuff. Yeah. They've absolutely exploded and y'all have done now 298 episodes of Spin Chicklets. That's insane. Congrats. I think we're on like 35. Yeah. We're on 30 something. We're right behind you. But at what, at what point did you know, like, Hey, this is, this is turning into something really big. So I believe before I joined, they were averaging between 50 and 75,000 listeners and they had a predominantly uh, New England listenership. Is that a word? Yeah, uh, close, close enough. enough. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Sometimes the brain clicks out. That's from all the concussions. <laughs> but uh, I had a strong Canadian following. So once I hopped on and, and in the time I hopped on, I was still going through my crazy days where... I mean, that, I, I think if, if people follow the podcast, they've probably heard some of these insane stories. I mean, Shitty Cindy is one of them that uh, I believe Ray Whitney told you to bring <laughs> yeah. up. Yep. I got a girl now, so I got to be careful exactly, exactly what I divulge. But uh, if you go back to old episodes and listen, it, we just got really crazy off the hop. And, you know, things as far as uh, politically correctness have definitely changed a lot over the course of since I've, I've jumped on. And I've kind of altered my line a little bit. But just the explosiveness off the start and how how willing I was to tell all these crazy stories, I think is what grew it. And I think uh, before COVID hit, we were getting over half a million downloads an episode. But, uh, you know, people are very into routine and we lost some commuters along the way Mm -hmm. when everything shut down. But I think we're, I think we're still close to that half a million range. Would you be wanting to do something like in, let's say Barstool didn't exist and you were just on television breaking down hockey or things like that? Because Barstool, you can do it pretty much you can say whatever you want like they're pretty loose with the pc stuff that's part of the appeal of it right people are sick of and tired of the like super pc you get on there and tell shitty cindy stories or whatever you want to do would you want to be like in studio breaking down hockey if it wasn't like you know the barstool podcast yeah i i, I don't think i'm a very polished speaker well at least i don't think so <laughs> so to go and, and do that corporate grind where if you say the, you have to be worried about saying the wrong thing and i mean milbury just went through it right mm-hmm. he said he 
bunch of guys. He referred to ladies as distractions, which you know I, I you know can't say that on NBC. So they actually kicked him out of the bubble. Yeah. He got yeah. pigeon tossed. So I don't really want to have to deal with that stress, and I want to be who I am. And I feel that when you have to pertain to that corporate dollar and corporate the business sense you have to really stay in your lane and that's just not me so uh the, the podcast forum was definitely a a place that i, I was grateful for yeah and, and one of our guests jeremy ronick was on spit and chicklets yeah and the whole thing happened with him which we've had him on he's told the whole story i mean yeah, it's kind of ridiculous friend. he told the story but like that's the your show is the one he got in trouble for is that was that a shock to you like when he said that were you thinking like oh he, this is gonna blow up and he's gonna get in trouble because it was clearly said in jest so I don't, I don't know how you guys operate when you're podcasting, but I was, th- I was thinking about the next question and I remember him saying it and I made a comment like, Whoa, like, you know, you kind of flirt in that line, especially with today's standards, but it wasn't something that made me think of it after we'd recorded. And we always give people the, the option to edit whatever they want out of the mm-hmm. podcast. Cause we don't want to put guys in a, in a jeopardizing uh, position. And even just hearing it, I'd assume that that he had the relationship, given he went on a three-week vacation with his coworker, and and you know maybe he made those jokes on the vacation. So when when it first came out for like three or four days, there was nothing, and then NBC dropped that statement, and I, and then I was like, oh no, and like my heart sank, and it it was hard to deal with for for at least a couple months. Like I I was very emotional about it because you never I know how much the podcast and my job post career has you know. You know, it took a lot of focus off if you're if you don't have anything that you're happy about to do. I understand can guys can go down this dark place, mm-hmm. and I feel that our podcast jeopardized that, and we stripped him of his of his livelihood essentially. And there was a lot of guilt associated with that. Um, you know, I called him multiple times to apologize, but Jr. is the man, and he was like, "Piz, it's all good." I think that 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 relationship was coming to an end anyway. And, uh, you know, I think that it's Jr. He'll land on his feet, and I oh, think yeah. people ap- appreciate that- his rawness. Yeah, he's he got that R-rated network mm-hmm. coming up that he's trying to do. I don't know if you've heard about that, like basically like sports broadcasting, but no filter. No like filter. Like the way dudes talk sitting on their couch when they're watching a football game, like bring that, but bring it to the actual broadcast. So you have the option to listen to that instead. Well, I'll say this. The, the reason why I loved watching NBC with the, with the hockey broadcast is when him and, and a few other guys were, were on there, they're, they're going to – they're going to be a bit controversial. They're going to say some some things that necessarily you don't agree with, but they also had that cre- credibility from being in those circumstances, and and they do push the envelope. And you know, I I feel just the way it's all going is it's a little stale. And you know what? I think that it's perfect given the platforms that we have access to. That mm-hmm. people who have that type of attitude will now take their own lanes and and then leave the corporate jobs up to people who are willing to just go and follow fall in line. Yeah. And he did text me. I told you told him you were coming on, and he's like. Dude, ask him why the hell they deleted that part of the thing. Because I guess y'all went back and deleted it. I was like, he's like, I don't think I did anything wrong. I shouldn't have been fired, but it is what it is. Yeah, I mean, just for the simple fact of I respect Jr. Yeah. and I, I just didn't want any more negative attention going towards him. And even I reached out to Catherine Tapp, and I didn't hear back from her. But even as a woman in sports media, I can understand where it would be difficult. Mm-hmm. So that it was, uh, as I said, a couple couple months of a lot of guilt. And uh, if I ever see her in person, I'll I'll be very apologetic for for kind of bringing that negative attention towards her. But, but at this, in the same breath, like I'm not going to, I'm not going to really apologize for what JR said. He felt comfortable. And I would imagine jokes like that were flying on the vacation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was yeah. clearly a joke. Dude. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, there's just so much, there's just no wiggle room right now in that world to say anything even close to That's what's the hardest part about being in that broadcast world. Colt does it on golf. You know, you know what I mean? On golf, you say, I like listening to these guys cause they're going to push the envelope. So on one hand, you're like, you want guys that are entertaining and will say some shit during a broadcast that might not be popular, but as soon as they, you know, don't toe that line perfectly and go over, it's like, oh, you're fired. You ever been called in for saying something wrong? Uh, I actually don't think I have. 
But I've only I haven't done it too many times. But it's but you have but to turn to a different person. Thinking right? about it. Like, oh, dude, you talk in a way like you never would talk sitting on the couch. You know what I mean? Yeah, like I mean, I was I was an on course reporter during the PGA Championship, and two of my good friends, Justin Thomas and Jordan Spieth, are paired together, and I'm in their group, and we're walking down the fairway, and they're <laughs> with me, and I'm like mid talking, and I'm like, Hot mic. God, don't say anything <laughs> dumb. This is gonna be. This, I mean, it's it'll be one and done for me. Like oh. I'll be out of here so fast. But it's that's it is scary. Like I'm so conscious of that button on my on my backpack, like hot mic, and I'm just like, guy. I mean, some of those golfers are wild. I mean, I think Anthony Kim when I was oh, playing here was dude, he would hit up, hit up the W. The guy. And he would he, he would go to bed at six o'clock and he'd have a seven a seven mm-hmm. o'clock tea time. He's not scared. There's good stories go around about AK everywhere you go. Like oh, last time he was here, he did this and this, and then showed up at this time and then played. You know what I mean? Like and the President's Cup stories and things like that. Like he's the he's the I don't know who it is in hockey, but he was the guy that like. He sent it like a rock star out there. He was the he was the odd man out. I'll tell regard. you who he because I'm a big hockey guy, so I know him. Bugsy would remind you probably of oh AK. My See, there you go. I say a name like that, Bugsy. There's the, there's the hockey equivalent. Mm-hmm. There's yeah, they don't really make them like that anymore. Ryan they're, Malone. They're throwbacks. Mm-hmm. Who, who's the John Daly on tour now? I mean, I guess uh, Dustin Johnson was a guy who was getting after it quite a bit. <laughs> he, Back in his day, I don't day. think he's afraid. Not, not yeah, anymore. I don't think he's he's afraid, got the kids, but he keeps it more hush hush. Daly's like open about it. He's like, dude, I just went to Vegas. I blew my entire winner's check in one <laughs> night. You know what I mean? And I'm actually in debt now to MGM. But that's the same thing. Once again, they don't make them like that anymore. No throwbacks. I mean, it's just they're athletes now and they're focused and boring. Not as fun. Protein shakes. Exactly. I just I, cu- I couldn't adapt to that life. I was still partying in the off season too much, so my body deteriorated. Well, let's talk a little bit about your hockey career. I mean, you you were you supported your teammates. You were you were a fighter. At what point in your career did you know like that's my role? Like I'm the guy that's supposed to go in there and fight. I was somewhat of a decent player growing up. I was actually a defenseman, and as I got to pro hockey, I started my time in the ECHL. I uh, had success there. I just could never be the, I guess, reliable enough defenseman at 20 minutes a night at the AHL level to where the final time I was called up to the AHL, writing was on the wall, no pun intended, where they had me listed as fourth line left wing. I'd never played forward in my life, at least at the pro level. And I think I just, I, I think that I had to adapt and add that to my bag. And I was always willing to do it. It wouldn't happen as much. But I just, it was like a, a click that went off where I made an instant decision when I saw that. I said, hey, let's let's give this a run. I think that if there's one way that I will get to the NHL, it will be doing that. And I got the shit beat out of me for, for a couple of years in the American <laughs> League. I, I, I did okay for a guy who wasn't as experienced, but all of a sudden I went from fighting guys who I was playing maybe 20 minutes again every night where you'd have those net front rivalries mm-hmm. to where I was fighting the meatheads on the other team. I'd be fighting guys who were taking steroids. Uh, and at the AHL level... It came a point in the NHL where they started eliminating like the the just one dimensional goons. So they all got sent down to the American League. So I was st- stuck fighting these guys. You know, I was getting my nose broken, and 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 I was just really out of my league. But ultimately, I took my lickings enough, and I was a decent enough player. Worked on my skills as a forward, where I, I ended up carving out a, a five and a half year yeah. NHL career, and I'm grateful for it. And I, I give that advice to all these young guys coming up. Don't be stubborn in your role. Just adapt. Do what you can in order. It's a hustle. That's exactly. It's, yeah. it's a straight hustle. You got to find a spot. It's a hustle. How can I get there? I read online that you used to work with some of your teammates or some of your teammates worked with you when you first started this on like fighting techniques, like in practice. And the, what makes a good fighter? Like you're going into practice and some dudes are going to show you like, here's how you whoop ass. What are, they, what are they telling you to do? Well, I'll be the first one to say I wasn't like these heavyweights who would just hang on and all of a sudden they'd be chucking them and, and punches would be hitting them and they wouldn't care. They'd basically be going blow for blow. I was a little bit more defensive. 
But I'd have to probably credit Dennis Bombi, who was who a fighter in, in Wilkes-Barre with the Penguins, for teaching me techniques. And he was a veteran who'd played a little bit in the NHL. And, and then ultimately willingness. You got to be willing to, to be able to go out there every night. And, and after you get your ass kicked, most people will be like, oh, I don't want to keep doing this. And as I said, that was a, I, I think that my first year of the American League when I played forward, I played 59 games. I think I got in 29 fights. Wow. So every other night, like my knuckles were, were shot yeah. to shit. Uh, my head would be aching. Like most days, I'd go put my helmet on and it was like tighter than normal because <laughs> I'd have all these welts on my head. Hey, and, coach. Yeah. We just actually had Jeremy Yablonski on. He played for the Binghamton Senators and they just had this like dark, gloomy rink. You couldn't get away from anyone. He was running around and I fought him twice in one game and he bambied me both times. And it was. Uh, Bambi. It, it I was, love the hockey dude, terminology. Dude, hockey terminology is the Well, I, yeah, I looked like, like Bambi best. out there yeah. after I got hit. I was trying to catch my bearings. but They uh, got the best slang, uh-huh. dude. The best. But going back to the hustle, is like I was doing it ultimately in hopes that I would be doing it for a larger paycheck. And that, that ended up working out uh, when I, I spent, I played 15 games with the Penguins the two, 2009 year. And that was the year they won the cup. And I was up for probably about uh, 25, 30 games. So I got to play with Crosby with Malkin and be around these guys. And, you know, that's something I'm going to be able to tell my kids one day. Yeah, that's cool. If I say the date, October 16th, 2008, does it ring a bell? October, maybe a Calder Cup? First ever fight in the NHL. Do you remember who it was against? 2000 what? It said 2008, was it? Oh, 2008. It was on the internet, dude. It's true. It's definitely true. It's definitely true. I I, I heard 2016 in my head. That's why I was like. October 16th, 2008. My first NHL fight was, it wasn't against uh, Matt Bradley. Matt Bradley is correct. Wow. That brain's still working. Don't worry about it. And that was probably my most successful one. Yeah, you you docked him to the ground. Yeah. I knocked him to the ice. I, I threw a punch, I fell down, and I got back up, and there was this big opening, and I don't know if, if he thought the fight was over, but I just threw a punch. And what was cool about that is playing in Pittsburgh, I think at the time, I mean, the Steelers were good, but they're just so hardcore sports where I knocked him out on the ice. He had to go for repairs. I split his lip open. And at that point, every time I would go out in public, I, would, I started getting recognized. So that was yeah. kind of like a, a wow moment for me. Uh, and I think that 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 made enough noise where the next year where I was put on waivers because they did have a couple other tough guys and they had a very strong lineup, I I got picked up. I got three teams put a claim in for me, and that's actually how I ended up in Arizona. Oh, wow, that's incredible. Uh, go ahead. Oh, I just got a question about the – because I, I, Colt follows a tons of hockey. I don't follow a ton of hockey, but, like, I'm very intrigued by, like, the goon enforcer role. Like, so how does it work? Like, all right, you're the guy that you're going to protect people. You're going to get in fights. You got in 29 fights in 59 games or whatever. How does it work? Like, if you're sitting there – and somebody hits a dude on your team that's like off limits. Is it? Does the coach come up to you and be like, "Yo, you got to go go drop bombs on this guy right now"? Or, or when do you know to go in and just wreck on a dude? No, if if you're fairly one dimensional and that's that's your role. If if your your willingness and and your spunk wears out, I don't think you're gonna last long at that level. Um, so it, usually, I knew when exactly when I had to go do it, and I think it was my willingness is what ultimately led me to the NHL because guys who have done it a while will tell you eventually they lose that luster. They don't, they're just kind of fed up with it. And they're, they just like, they don't, they don't have that natural ability to just like get up and be like, I want to go f- somebody up. You know, it's hard to keep. <laughs> I'm that. losing mine, dude. I yeah. had it for a while, but I'm losing it now, bro. You know what I mean? I can only do so many years. Yeah. On the golf course. <laughs> yeah. Dummy and guy, Colt, dude. I'm getting sick. Dude, but of I've, it. I've talked to that with Mike Commodore because I mean, I, he he fought a lot in his he career, fought, yep. and he told me towards the end of his career, it was kind of towards the end of Colt Norris as well. 
And he's like, Colton would come over to me every game. And he's like, let's go. And he's like, damn it. I don't want to. No. Like, you're just going to kick the shit out of me. Can we please <laughs> not do this? That's a tough role, dude. Yeah. That's, that's Co- brutal. Commodore was actually making some pretty big paychecks. So he, he didn't necessarily <laughs> have to, uh, to fight towards the end. But uh, no, uh, coaches never really had to tell me. If anything, when I was here, Tip would usually tell me, you know, you, you don't need to. We don't need that right now. If you're up a goal, we don't want momentum to be lost. And there was actually a case here, and you could probably find it on YouTube. I think we were up 3-1 three, three on Philadelphia, and Jay Rosehill took a run at Shane Doan. And um, Shane Doan, you know, legendary Phoenix, Arizona Coyote, uh, Jersey in the rafters. Um, I, I'm not sure how they even ended up on the ice together, but he was that enforcer for their team. And, and rightfully so, when your team was down, you were trying to do anything to possibly get your team going, which would be draw my attention and get a scrap in, in his case. So I looked at tip and I said, I don't give a that we're up three, one. He just took a run at the captain. I'm going this guy right now. And we had a very spirited bout and then they <laughs> scored four and answered. And we lost. Oh, <laughs> so there's this, this massive, uh, you know, mental momentum shift thing that, that kind of existed for a while where like, if you had the lead, don't fight no matter what. We don't want to give them any reason to get up and, and, and get uh, motivated here. And in that case, I had to go. Uh, you could see Shane Doan in the clip. Like, he, he came over the bench because we ended up ending the fight right by our bench. And he's like, pat me in the bench. He's like, f***ing rights. And the whole building's amped up. So ultimately, it was cool that I stuck up for the captain. But uh, it was sucked that I, it sucks that after the game, uh, you know, everyone's in the room like, Same in Pittsburgh. Like, if someone took a run at Sydney, you're like, nope. That's, oh, that's, un- what- that's an untouchable. And you just go in and it's immediate. So Eric Goddard, who was a monster, he was the fighter for the Penguins, but because they had Sid and Malkin and all these very valuable young assets and fighting was still somewhat relevant in the game, I think that that's why I was able to make the team at a training camp, which was cool because I had, I'd ran into some, I, when, when I first signed pro, I, I, I started drinking a lot. All of a sudden you're this young guy and you get money and you're living on your own and I was hitting the booze pretty hard. I was chasing like crazy and I kind of just you know fell off fell off a little bit was interested in in a lot of the wrong things so I had this big falling out with the penguins because I ended up knocking some dude out in a bar fight where that's why I was sent to the ECHL the second time well I forgot my train of thought there (laughs) thank god you're a podcast bro it happens to me all the time yeah that's see that's where the the CTE kicks in but (laughs) but ultimately I went from being in the ECHL to getting called up and them switching my position to the next year at the start of the year, I started the year in the NHL. So I thought I, my career was potentially over. I didn't know if another team was going to sign me because it was going to be the end of my entry-level deal to where Michel Terrian calls me and he says, hey, you're starting the season. Call your parents. You, you've made the NHL. And we actually started the season overseas um, uh, for the world premiere games in Sweden. And boys, like my first, my first dose of the NHL, we ended up, uh, I think it was the second night we were there, Hal Gill reached out to Matt Sundin, who in, in Sweden, yes, he's like a yeah. god. And he was dropping the ceremonial face off and he says, hey, we're going to this restaurant and there's a bar up top. We kind of want to throw like a, a team camaraderie party, just so, you know, get the boys into it. And while we're sitting down for dinner, like I notice all these rockets coming into the restaurant <laughs> and I'm like, this is, this is like ridiculous. Sweden's unbelievable. Like I might even move here in the off season to train. And, uh, and then all of a sudden the coaches after dinner get up and say, have a good night boys. And they're kind of like patting guys on the shoulder on the way out. And I could smell something was up. And then we moved upstairs and all those girls that were coming to the restaurant, that's where they'd 
they'd shifted to. So all of a sudden, it's it's us and about 50 rockets that Matt Sundin had lined up for all the boys because Hal, uh, Hal Gill teed us up. And I ended up getting my first NHL game in Sweden. And uh, yeah, I dream come true. Oh man! Yeah, this is, this is I was like, I'll fight sport? anybody. Yeah. Did Put, we play the wrong sport, Colt? Yeah. Did that ever happen to you? Oh no! Team you camaraderie. Know, you can't notice I'm not really built for hockey. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just gonna right. stick to what I'm good you're at. Right. You, did. you were like you the, did. the the, the you little right. the little short stumpy guy in Blades of Steel. Yeah. yeah. You got to pick your players. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so maybe you could have made it. Nah, I'm good. I'll stick with golf. How often did that happen? You said you knocked a dude out in the bar fight. How often? Like you're known as the enforcer guy. You go out in in Pittsburgh, Phoenix, wherever it was. Did people ever try to like? Oh, there's a dude. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go check him. Yeah, as I as I grew up, that kind of left me. I, I think that the stupidity of it and how young you are and you're just caught up in that lifestyle. And yeah, when you like when you go out in public, even when you're in the American League, you're in this small town where yeah, certain guys will challenge you and and eventually you just you grow up. Similar to like all these crazy sex stories that I had early on. Like I was just, you know, fighting and chasing and drinking, and then you get to a certain age and you look back and you're like, How you know, that was a different person. Yeah, I love it. But you mentioned the locker room talk earlier and stuff, and I know you hockey guys, I love to play pull pranks on each other and stuff. You're, you obviously have a long season together. Any good ones that come to mind? I was not a good prankster, but there was plenty of good ones. The old school ones were insane of guys uh, putting guys' cars on blocks. <laughs> um, uh, I think it was actually here. Shane Doan was uh, one of the guys had – you know the stuff when you used to, if you stole money, there was like, if you touched it, it would turn your hands yeah, purple. Yeah, like the- Instead of the one that exploded, there was a different version of it. And one of the guys on the team had put that in all the guys' gear. I've heard that. So, we heard that from a base. Uh, was it Cody Ross? No, I thought Ray Whitney told us oh, that. Oh, maybe it was yeah, Whitney. Yeah, yeah it might have been yeah. Ray Whitney. So, so all of a sudden, the guys get on the ice and they start sweating. And then everybody on the ice yeah. is purple. Turns purple, yeah. And it was a bit of a nightmare for Stan Wilson, who's been the trainer here for, I think, 2000 or 2500 games like long long time <laughs> trainer and he they had the team had to buy everybody new gear because everybody was purple another good one was uh brad may uh used to go get guys keys to their car uh take down the the sunroof and then fill the entire car up with popcorn yeah. that was left over from the last game and a couple of the guys that had new vehicles so all this buttery popcorn just oh, coating these brand new oh. leather seats and yeah there's they, they, i would have been pissed uh, when my co-host Ryan Whitney, so there, there could be some confusion for yeah, the listeners right now. When we right throw now. out Whitney, yeah, I played with Ray Whitney, who played twenty years, uh, superstar forward. My co-host is Ryan Whitney, who is a, a very established uh, defenseman in the mm-hmm. NHL. So uh, he he uh, he was telling stories of uh, like Chris Letang used to get it pretty bad. And they used to, he used to get like new Dior dress shoes and they would nail them to the floor. So he'd go to pick them up. And oh, he, perfect. So he, every, every week he was getting his suit messed with where they, where they sew the pockets to, uh, yeah. to closed and he couldn't get his car keys. So tons of, uh, <laughs> tons of crazy pranks. Yeah. I saw the one, uh, one of your old teammates did it to you up in Pittsburgh. They just, it was during the HBO special. He went and cut your laces right before the game. That was Matt Cook. And yep, then they put Matt bubble Cook. gum. The in the, yep, in the gloves. double bubble at the end of the glove where it's it's so thin up there you can't really get it out. So I was almost late for practice. That would have been a big fine. So thankfully I got out there in time. Cutting the laces seems like that seems like out of bounds. Like now I'm not now I got to relace these whole things. I'm gonna be late. Yeah, pain fine, in the ass. All that shit. I'd rather that than them ruining my leather seats in my car with That's the buttery point. popcorn. Yeah. yeah. Well, let's talk a little bit about your golf because I know you enjoy playing, and some people might call you a sandbagger from things I saw on the internet. I mean, we're, we're, this is golf. What's sub-par. the index right now? Do you want to clarify that you're not a sandbagger? I'm not a sandbagger. I'm not a very good golfer. <laughs> I can put some holes together where I'll get the birdie every now and then. I'll probably get like one birdie around. 
uh, you know, three or four pars, but there'll be, there'll be some holes where I have meltdowns. So the, the backstory to it is we have this uh, content piece we call the Sandbagger Invitational, and now we've created it into this, this series. And originally, we were, uh, we were going to Halifax to interview Crosby and, and Nathan McKinnon. That was going to be the biggest get that our podcast had ever gotten, two of the league's biggest superstars. And they're fairly private. And I'm telling them, hey, we're going to do an interview, and then we'll even go after, uh, we'll go golfing after, and we'll bring the cameras. And you could tell Sid was like, ah, he didn't want to tell me no, but it wasn't happening. So I'm like, okay, fine, we'll just go golfing. And then they agreed to that. So then I roped them in where I brought the camera around and we we were going to have a golf match where we gave our handicaps. Well, the the it was a wet course, so we teed up a lot closer than usual. So I gave my handicap based on like we were playing farther back mm-hmm. and I had the front nine, front nine of my life. So Nathan McKinnon and Crosby being very competitive, Nathan McKinnon more so was like, this guy's a sandbagger and he was genuinely pissed so i'm like okay i'm we're gonna call this the sandbagger invitational so we ended up beating them they had to take us out for dinner and a few nice bottles of wine and and ultimately the entire internet thinks i'm a sandbagger now because i had the front nine of my life so i so i watched that and i've actually played that golf course and been out in downtown halifax and i know crosby is an absolute god there god okay so tell me a little bit y'all won you got a free free night out Tell me about a night out with Sidney Crosby in downtown Halifax. He, you know, he's got his boys that he grew up with. He's he's a very reserved, calm guy. Uh, you know, I think he's got that team around him when he does go out there, which is not very often. He doesn't he doesn't party a ton because when he does, people are you know it's like the paparazzi yeah. are out. But I will say the night we went out, it was great. Uh, I forget the bars that we went to. His buddy has one. He's going to scald me now for not remembering the name. But, uh, you know, he had about eight to ten buddies who came out. And I think they, they protect him. They keep yeah. him in certain areas and, and really look out for his best interest. And, yeah, it's it's like hanging out with a celebrity. It's kind of like you're watching the, the documentary with Jordan. Yeah. Or you're, you're, you're going around with one of the biggest icons in the sport, uh, a guy who carries himself, uh, you know, he, he, he doesn't, he's flawless. He doesn't make mistakes. I, I couldn't, I couldn't imagine balancing what he has and in, in the, in the popularity and being able to probably get away with whatever Anything. you want. Those other guys are around to bury the bodies. I'd imagine if, <laughs> yeah. if they had to. some fall guys, you gotta have a couple fall guys. You gotta have, yeah. And he's, he's got eight of them. He's got the, <laughs> the big entourage, but uh, even with Nate now who's came on the scene and uh, it was, it was a very cool experience. It was good to see him lighten up because he's always been, he, you know what he, you know what he was like. He was like Tiger Woods when he came into the golf world. Yeah, T- Tiger Woods is a completely different guy now mm-hmm. from what he gives the media, and I think that's. But but with, now saying that the media, in the way they are, I feel like they'll take anything and they'll twist it. And you saw that with the Jordan documentary. Yeah. So I understand why these guys live the way they do, and I think that ultimately Crosby has handled his business the way he he. Is, I do. I tell you is what, Nate t- McKinnon the one, Wyndham yes. Clark? We got That's a buddy it. on tour comes on the show, Wyndham Clark. Man he's crush. like, man crush city on Nate McKinnon. Like it's, big time, like admitted, like open. It's, a, it's insane. Him him and McDavid are one and two in the mm-hmm. NHL. And the way that they're able to, to move so fast out there with their head up and control the puck as fast as their feet are moving, it, it doesn't make sense. It's an, an anomaly. It's it's something that the hockey world has never seen. Are they going to break Gretzky's records? No, because overall the competition everywhere has gotten so good. Everybody's training. The goalies have gotten far better. Team structure. Everybody's watching video. The overall game has improved and scoring has gone down as a result. But to to watch those two guys specifically on the ice night in and night out, it's like going to like the ballet, man. 
they are so much better than everybody else on the ice. And it's, 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 it'd probably be like watching Jordan in his heyday or, right. or LeBron, I guess now. That's cool. Oh, one more last thing about Sidney Crosby. I played golf with him a few times. Uh, talk about some speed. He can smash it. Does he dude. smoke he it like all hockey players? All oh, hockey like dudes hit it somewhat how, far. How about his quads? Uh, dude, it's ridiculous. <laughs> Bigger <laughs> than mine? Yeah, <laughs> just a little bit. Nah, I believe it when I see so it. So that's I'll how have I got to see to it up know, close. The dude. last time the NHL had their lockout, like 20 of the guys came to Dallas. They trained, and I, I, I was living in Dallas at the time. Yep. They, they had me pl- take them to play golf every day. They would work out in the morning, we'd golf, then go out. I would sleep while they worked out, and then we'd go. You didn't get all those. All those. You didn't get on those workouts, dude. Nah, oh, that's weird. All those uh, those rich guys had a nice little tour going. I think they stopped here. They went to Mm -hmm. Dallas, and they went. uh, I think Vale was another stop that they had, and they had this crew. And I'd actually, uh, I forget who it was. uh, Stanley Cup champion with Detroit. It wasn't Brad May, but uh, either way, one of the guys. He, uh, you remember how they had the fake ice at the W Scottsdale over the pool? Yeah, Yeah. Well, he he went and grabbed his skates up in the room, and he like puts them on, and he goes out on the ice, and, he, and he's he's acting like a bender, like he can barely stand up, and like civilians are giving him tips on how to skate, not right. knowing that this guy's a three-time <laughs> Stanley Cup champion. I think it was Dan Cleary actually who was doing that is it, hilarious. and all the boys are just crippled, you know, having a good chuckle at, at him f-ing around with everybody. I love it. What's your level of celeb like when you go out in like Canada? Let's say, are people recognizing you? Can you go out and not get hassled? Yeah, I mean it's. Yeah, I, I would say just because of the podcast and the post career, it's yeah. definitely popped off. But everybody's really respectful. I mean, can, Canadians are pretty laid back. Um, you know, even even going in Boston, everybody's really respectful. I think I think because of a podcast form, and and it's not like being an actor or like an athlete that you never hear of. Most people who probably come up to you guys, they feel like they know you because yeah, they're just like they know you because they're like this is just a dude being himself. This yeah, isn't like he's not playing a role in a movie. Yeah, we're just down to earth dudes. So it's sometimes when you're you're having rough days and you're you're in your own head about whatever it is or you're stressed out about whatever it is, it's hard because you want to you want their experience to be you know a pleasant one and you want mm-hmm. them to go. You don't want them to be like, oh man, that guy was a f-ing asshole. But uh, yeah, it's 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 grown since the the podcast and the post career, but. As I said, I'm I'm grateful for it. I understand that comes with it, and you know we're just, we're just humans, and I'll I'll interact with anyone. I love that, especially well, if I'm on the weed. If I'm on the weed, usually it's the <laughs> usually it's the person coming up being like, "All right, dude, like I gotta go," and it's like, "No, talk to me." <laughs> I just wanted to say hi and get a quick yeah. picture, weirdo. I love you. Yo, filing can, a restraining order on me. Yo, can you tell the story because I read about it and I thought it was one of the great taunts that I've uh, I've read about online uh, when you were playing in the ECHL, East Coast Hockey League, and you got a suspension. I think it's for one game, but it's for a pregame taunting. You may have been war- wearing something during a warm up. Do you remember that? Yeah, I was I was an idiot, as I mentioned, <laughs> drinking a lot, this living this crazy lifestyle, and and I was you know I had a chip to my game, and I, I said I would fight about five to ten times a year. In the ECHL, I was an all star, so I was more focused on playing. But Redding, who was our rival, had this this Hebert was his last name, and he was just taking runs at me, and we played them quite a bit. So we were playing them in uh, in back to back games, and in Reading he kept running me. So I said, "All right, let's go," and I and I just dummied him. And I think on the way down he he ended up hurting his shoulder too. So the next night we had him at home, and we used to have this belt of the game that we would give out as MVP. So I said, I told the trainer, I said, "Put it on the bench for warm up." So we go up for warm up. I do a couple laps. I go grab the belt off the bench and I stretch at center ice with it. 
And I said, anybody else want a f***ing piece? <laughs> yeah. So their coach sends the, the game tape in, and I ended up getting suspended for a game, and I had to, I got a $150 fine. I had to oh, oof, that stings, guys. dude. That stings. That's a couple pops later that night. Good thing I was on an AHL deal, but still, 150 bucks back then. It's a kick in the nuts because that is a night with the boys, and uh, I had to send in a cashier's check before the next game in order to play. <laughs> what's I, the rule that you violated? You can't, you can't wear a belt on the, on the ice before a game? I mean, what, what's the problem? I don't know. I, there was no written rule. I guess they had to make one after that. The biz nasty rule. Yeah. Just you can't taunt a dude. You just dummy two times in yeah. two games. I got, I got a game suspension, $150 fine for being a, a, a <laughs> and, 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 and embarrassing the game. Oh, I love it. I love that. I read that. I was like, that's great. Did he come, did he come back for round now. three after that or no? No. I don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think I ever saw him again. I don't know if he was playing with the team anymore. Fair enough. Yeah, I love it. You get dummy twice. Well, Biz, one thing that always tends to happen with our guests is, and I don't even know how it comes up, but they always have a great shit your shitting your pants story. Oh, I've got a big multiple, poop your pants podcast. Multiple. So I'm going to ask you for your favorite <laughs> one because I know my favorite of yours <laughs> from some research, but I want to hear what you got. Well, if you're referring to shitty Cindy, that wasn't No, me. it wasn't. No, no, it's not. Oh, okay. What a name. There's dude. a lot what of shit stories. Uh, the first time I remember shitting my pants and, and really, you know, <laughs> battling through it was when I had a paper route. This is it. This yeah. Is yeah. There we go. Now and we're talking. So, you know, I, one thing about my parents is, and I, at looking back, I really appreciate, they wanted me to learn the value of a dollar and, and how to get up in the morning. And I think at 11 years old was when I started my paper route, but somebody had already had the route that was around our houses. So I had to drive my bike, you know, at least a, a couple miles to get to where my route was. And uh, on the way there, I thought I had a, what was a fart, and, and I kind of lean over and I fart, and I ended up shitting my pants. But I will say, is I finished my entire route with shit in my drawers. I went because I didn't want to drive my bike all the way back and explain to my mom why how I had to leave again to go deliver my papers. But the dumbest, the dumbest thing about all of this was, is when I got home instead of just throwing out the underwear, I hid them at the bottom of the hamper assuming that my mom would just throw them in the washer but it had stunk up the, 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 the laundry you like a bad strategy. that's how stupid you i could was have just thrown them into the bushes or something on the way home i would have thought guys it was it was i panicked all right i, yeah, I, get, panicked. I get it dude you got you got dump in your drawers dude guys make irrational decisions you know i what love mean? it and it's in a paper route on a bike dude you're a kid you can't like hey pull over at the next gas station you can't you can't go into a house you're flipping a paper at but excuse me miss jones could i use your restroom please i'm about to defecate myself i think that when you're when you're at a young age sometimes you do things where you're just you you, you can't think think rationally and i panicked i did but i did the whole route i battled through it it was just the, the the hamper thing, man. I'm looking back. I've so done a funny. lot of dumb things. What would uh, Mama say when she found them things at the bottom? Uh, Paul. Well, she asked. She <laughs> said, "What is this? Like, just throw these out, man. That's yeah. a quick. That's a quick fix there." All right, should uh, we get to E9 incredible. or you got? Incredible. I'm I'm loving these stories, yeah, but yeah, incredible. I feel like let's get to E9. All right, we do this Tell with every it. guest. Nine fun questions. Okay. Just know you just a little bit better. Um, <laughs> I feel like we know you really well yeah. though already. I'm better, an open by the book, way. boys. Movie being made about the life of Biz Nasty. You get to pick who plays you. Who do you want? Well, if we could go back in time, McLovin. I, yeah, uh, Robert De Niro. People oh, say right. I look like a, a young Robert De Niro because I'm Ooh. a huge snout. Now there are pictures that, but but if if I had to pick somebody more recent, no, it could be anybody. It's your you movie. You can have anyone. We pick. We pick for you as well. Yeah, I got. I got a guy for you. I, I'm interested to hear what you guys. I got pick. a guy for you. Well, I googled badass actors or tough Gold, guy actors. Gold just googled like tough dudes, and I decided I kind of thought this before, but I went with Jason Statham. 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 
Yes. Yeah, he's a badass. He's a tough dude. He, he, you have more hair than he, he does. He can body some people. He's in a lot of Guy Ritchie movies. Yeah. Love, I love uh-huh. his stuff. I actually, uh, I would probably pick the, the guy in The Punisher. Uh, something Ro- uh, yeah, Rosenthal. Yeah, what's that dude's name? I Josh know you're talking Rosenthal? about. Is it Josh? I know you're talking about. He's the got Punisher a guy. What's awful his nose, name? too, yeah, yeah. people often say. That's that. actually a good one. Nose. <laughs> that's actually a really, you kind of like like legit look like Thank that you. dude. Yeah, that's actually. Did I beat your answer? I had you, well, you might like mine. Tom Hardy. Girls like him. You know oh, what Tom Hardy is, dude? Bane. He plays. He was Bane and Batman Stallion. with the mask. He's a monster. He is. He is a list. Yeah, that's a that's a tough one to talk. I don't just throw these around like hotcakes, dude. I really put some thought into this. I I pick him because I think him and that like the elitist crew, like Brad Pitt and Leo, all hang out together. So maybe there'd be a chance that I'd, I'd, I'd you know he's the alpha tummy wherever he's hanging guys. out. Tummy he's st- the alpha. Tummy sticks. I'll be buddy. You, you know, watch Peaky, You watch Peaky Blinders. I have never seen that. Oh, dude, he's a badass in that. He's yes. a, there's only one role he can. You can't make him be like the little bitch. You know, he's only can play one role. He's got to be the toughest dude in the movie. There was just one that came out and it bombed. It, I believe it was the Capone movie. Or maybe uh, it's a TV show. Oh, maybe TV. And I, I was like surprised no to hear that. It was the real long one on Netflix, right? Yes. And and uh, uh, somebody said... It sucked? Uh, R.A., my co-host with Spitting Chicklets, Rear Admiral, which is a, another great nickname for you. But he... You know, he, he, he's a big Tom Hardy guy, and he said that it wasn't very good. He said it was unwatchable. He That's turned it off. That's surprising for Tommy Boy. Right. He puts Man. out heat. Uh, How, what's Rear Admiral? Because I know that the guy you host with the Spin Chicklets, what is that name from? That's not a real name. He got. I think he got it in college for examples, uh, you know, Rear rear Admiral. I think he used to like it in, brown, in the brown. <laughs> okay. There you go. <laughs> All right. That he, makes sense. He, he's a good dynamic to the podcast because he's that blue-collar fan uh, that, you know, he's he's seen some shit. He's got some crazy stories of sneaking into places and, you know, ending up in, uh, like, they did a, a, a Rolling Stones. Uh, I think they were, like, in the People's Magazine or something, and he snuck into the show. Or he bought a ticket to the Upper Bowl and ended up sneaking down to Front Row, and then they snapped a picture. And then his wife went and bought the magazine just, like, unexpectedly and, like, was like, hey, oh. yeah, the Rolling Stones were in it. And then he was open. He's like, I think I was at this show. And then, lo and behold, he's in one of the pictures in, in, in the magazine. So <laughs> he's kind of the Forrest Gump of sneaking into events. And he's been to, like, f- four cup celebrations. Really? Where he's gotten into the locker room when guys are celebrating with the cup. I think I think he's got a picture with Darren McCarty like this. Like, everyone's having beers and cigars after they won. <laughs> the hell's this guy? Yeah. yeah. He's, uh, he's there, yeah. dude. You want to drink out of the cup? Yeah. He was he was the guy who was sne- sneaking into all these festivals before before it became popular. Rear Admiral, what a name! Yeah. Love it. All right, all right, Colt, go. All right, number two. <laughs> There's another podcast at Barstool Golf Podcast Foreplay. Yeah. Okay. Golf match between Foreplay guys and Spit and Chicklet guys. Who who gets the W? Because they're not very good at golf over there. Yeah, they got a. Well, not neither like am that, I. The so way. they got to have high That's handicaps. A- Riggs is like a nine. He, I think he's the best. I think eventually we'll do a sandbagger with the foreplay guys. And th- there's a bit of a rift between Witt and Riggs, given they were supposed to play heads up, and then Witt couldn't do it because he qualified for a USA, U- USGA two-ball event. And I think it got a little bit heated to where I don't know if it's going to go down, but I think eventually it'd be nice to team up with those guys. And I think they've done a wonderful job of, of growing the game and, and doing so in their own u- unique way. I mean, you know, credit to them. Riggs works his balls off. Yeah, he too. does. He's, he's, he's everywhere. Those guys are everywhere. Everywhere. And, and same with Borelli. Uh, Trent is the other guy. And, mm-hmm. and who, who is there one more that I'm forgetting? Yeah, I can't remember his uh, name, though. Yeah. Uh, Trent, the bigger Frank dude. Ian, no. But I feel like th- there was a, a little bit of a... F- I think it's a bit of a fun riff, but uh, it got a little bit serious there because they were on Barstool Radio dude, going back. Well, Riggs cannot Whit beat Ryan Whitney. If Whit made it to the USGA yeah. four ball, there ain't no chance. That's no. A, that's a dirt nap. 
No, I think that Riggs was going to get some strokes for, Riggs. for sure. Yeah, he'd have to, dude, because if you're making the USGA four ball, that's like legit good players. I don't know who the best two guys out of the four play podcast are at golf, but I would like to challenge them. Yeah, make that up. I think them. that'd be fun if yeah. you need another couple to join in you could host us. yes oh, oh we'll commentate oh well hey maybe when we'll come to arizona and we'll do a sandbagger with you guys sounds amazing yeah we want to do a bunch of them that's that's why we created it into this thing we just did one with uh yandel mm-hmm. uh keith yandel and kevin hayes who i played with uh, Ke- uh keith yandel here man this guy was like the funniest guy in the locker room <laughs> Perfect. No, nobody nobody knew because he was you know a, a legitimate defenseman and he wasn't being a clown all the time mm-hmm. in the media but uh as far as top definitely top three funniest guys I've ever played with. I love that. Beautiful. All right, next one. Who was the one guy you played against who you wanted to fight the least? I don't want to say, like, you were scared to fight, but, like, guy that you saw him, you're like, oh, I hope that doesn't happen tonight. Uh, God rest his soul, Derek Bugard. You know, he pa- he ended up passing away. Very unfortunate. But uh, he was, you know, they nicknamed him the boogeyman for a reason. And we we just had Todd Fedorik on our podcast, who was a, a legitimate NHL heavyweight and he told the story about the time he fought Derek Bugard. And Bugard, he, he punched properly, and he was so big that he, he, could, he could punch from the hip. So he would kind of punch up a little bit. And it was odd because, like, most guys are, are going lateral. If anything, if you're a big guy, you're punching down. But he cocked back, and he got Fridge, uh, Todd Fedora, that's his nickname. He got him right in the face, and he, he broke his face. Oh. Caved his orbital bone. And, and uh, his profile picture on social media is the the picture of the X-ray, and he was just so feared. He was so big and strong, and he he just punched so lethal. When he punched, he punched to end your life. And uh, fortunately for Todd Fedorik, it didn't. But he he you know it changed his career, and I think he was really never the same after that. And he's got you know plates in his face. They had to reconstruct it. Uh, but he was he was ju- he was in the NHL when I first started. Uh, as we mentioned, he passed away. Um, but uh, another guy was probably Colt Knorr, yeah, who played for. Uh, you mentioned Toronto. him, right? Yeah, I mentioned him earlier. He Commodore, was, yeah. There's certain guys that are just they're just so scary because they are willing to stand in there and they punch with so much velocity that it made my pregame nap very uncomfortable. Where most of the time I wouldn't be able to sleep, knowing that there was a potential that he would be in the lineup, and of course that I would, because I told you about how half the time mm-hmm. I was a healthy scratch, yeah. so I wouldn't know if I was in the lineup some nights before I got to the rink. And days where we were playing his teams and I was a healthy scratch, it was more of a relief than anything. <laughs> and I have no problem admitting that. I was, you know, I was fearful of those guys. They uh, were scary, yeah. scary guys. There's, there's just a different screw loose in some of those dudes, I feel like. But what's crazy about it, we interviewed Colt Knorr for the Spit and Chicklets podcast, and these guys off the ice are the nicest guys in the world. Mm-hmm. They wouldn't harm a fly. So it's, it's hard. Uh, you know, some of these guys have to live with it now. They had to put this mask on. And, and, and be these, uh, these scary individuals for a long part. And we also touched on earlier how eventually that natural ability to like force yourself to get up to do that and harm other people, I think it does fizzle off. And part of that might be because of the pain you're inflicting to others. It's like, yeah, it's, you're the same way. I mean, you would never, if you just sat down and talked to you and be like, oh, this is a guy that used to just break people's faces yeah. every night. <laughs> we're going we're gonna to throw two golfers in a hockey fight, two that are rather, rather large for golf, Bryson DeChambeau and Brooks Kepka. But they're on. They have to be on skates. Who do you think could? Who do you think would win this little tussle? Unpopular answer. I'd see Deschambault probably because he would spend enough time and, and look at the science of it to figure oh, out how yeah. to balance himself on skates. But I, 
you know, I, I love that, that rivalry and that joshing back and forth. These guys hate each other, right? Is that pretty safe to say? They throw uh, jabs. They throw I don't jabs. know if like hate, but yeah, like they like to stoke the fire a little bit. I, I think golf needs that. I think I think I it's, agree. I think it's great for well, it. Dude, I, I I don't Kepka at first he kinda of rubbed me the wrong way because when he started winning he started getting very lippy, but I before I open my mouth, I usually ask other guys and, and Witt said the few times he has he's brought up good points, like guys playing slow. Now I play slow, so I, I sometimes I'll stand over the ball for like thirty seconds where I'm nervous and I'm like, is you know, because you got to make sure your feet are good, or, or you know, what am I doing with my hips here? What's going to happen? So I'm an absolute mental midget on the golf course. I love it. So I can, I can. Uh, you you know, give him the pass on the slow play. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, yeah, and then and then other cases, but he's you know he's he's great for golf too, and he, he brings it in the big championships. But I was happy to see Bryson DeChambeau win that uh, U.S. Open. Right. Is that golf what it could is? use some more of that too. Like, just it doesn't have to be all out hate. Just like let's get a little rivalry because like we want it. But everybody's such good friends now on the PGA Tour. Like they wait for each other. Yeah, we the, call it tummy sticks. Tummy sticks. You know, it's like the guys yeah. in warm up like hitting each other shin pads. Like, what's going on, buddy? It's just yeah. like no, none of that shit. I want the ri- the rivalries. I, yeah, some real hate. It's like Tiger when he played. Man, he wouldn't he wouldn't even say hi to guys. Well, it wasn't even a fair rivalry though. There was no one that was good enough. They to be kept a rival. they kept trying to make rivalry as soon as somebody won yeah. a tournament. Like, oh, here's the next guy to challenge Tiger. It never happened. Yeah, he went through like, twelve rivals. They're like, oh, what are you doing post match? You can crush my old lady. Whatever you want, dude. You want to hang out? Ultimate tummy sticks. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right, next question. What's proven harder for you to do in your life? Score a goal in the NHL or get through an ad read on your podcast without butchering it? Well, I wasn't very good at either. <laughs> I, uh, I heard you, you have a tough time with the ad reads. A I don't bit. know if it's like dyslexia or whatever it is. I just look at the page and, and the, I feel like the, the number or the, the words. There you go. That's, that's <laughs> probably, I think they're numbers. That's All right, that explains read. it. I feel like the, the, the words are jumping around on the page and, uh, you know, and, then, and then the anxiety builds up. So reading it was never my forte, at least doing it aloud. Oh, I love it. Yeah, it's <laughs> different. Hilarious. We do them on the radio all the time, and we just stare at each other while we read them, just waiting for one person to, to butcher it, and then we just laugh at them. I, that's it's my, different, dude. Somebody, Reading under pressure is tough. Very, very tough. And some of these uh, the, these news anchors, they read the teleprompter, and they just do it so naturally. It's it's amazing to me. Yeah, it's, it's a, a skill. Gift. It's a that's gift. Sure. All right, I know you just met the Sleaze. Okay, he's obviously an incredible athlete. Check me out if you want. Look at him. You, check, check out the build. Did you play pro golf as well? Correct, on a low level. You know, what's the <laughs> ECHL? Is that where you played at? Yeah, I, I played did a lot game. of that. Consider me an ECHL fucking legend, bro. Did you win a bunch on, on that tour? <laughs> Countless, bro. That's awesome. They're writing books about curious, me on the mid, in the, it around the Midwest. The, mid-re- the Midwest Jicky Jacks, dude. I had a run there like you wouldn't believe. I Tiger was, 2000. Some of my best experiences, I'm, I'm very grateful have, for have playing in those lower leagues because that's where all the fun shit happens. It's so fun, dude. It's a different world. I mean, you don't make anything. You can barely survive, but in terms of like just straight fun... It's, I mean, it's tough to beat. Like where guys just like ripping, oh, dude, you, ripping you make lines a ten thousand dollar winners check. You might as well have just hit the Powerball, and it's like all my guys are taken care of tonight. We're gonna go send it. We're gonna spend sixty percent of this check tonight. All L- of that stuff. A lot of drug abuse on tour. Uh, you know, Fifth Amendment type deal. I plead the fifth. <laughs> if, you know, like my guy Chris Rock. But there, you know, there's. Let's just say there's no testing out there. So there's some people that will will be a little bit liberal with the the intake. Fair enough. All right. I well, think. let's get to the question. Okay. Yeah. You, that, you know, I'm, so I'm, I'm starting to sweat. Like this. <laughs> this bet has been three years in the making, and it has not happened yet. It's but, gonna happen. Ray Whitney has challenged the sleaze to two things. He's never been on skates. Not one time. Correction. When I was like eight or nine, okay. I we had. Yeah, been on skates lately. Sleaze thinks he can stand on the blue line. On skates and fly a puck into the net. 50, 50 pucks. pucks. He has to fly one all the way into the net. 
in the he's air. He's never been on skates, never hit a puck. Far, far blue line. No, no, the no, closer no, the, blue line. Are, the closest one. So dude. The, the same zone. So you, 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 all you have to do is elevate it with a shot, and it has to stay in the air as it enters. It has the to net. hit the net in the air. One out of fifty. I think you could do that. Thanks. You're the first person. Sure. That's that is my guy. <laughs> that's my. This is the guy, dude. Well, that's why I asked far blue line. Then it would. There would definitely be far a question. blue line zero point zero. Yeah. Near but he's blue never line, even, dude. I'll figure. I don't it know out. if he can stand up on skates. What, dude? Look at me, bud. I mean, if you're if if you're allowed to pick any type of curve that you want, I think 100. percent you. Can I'll do try it. a I would, couple slappies. I, I I'll would try even a put wristers. money on it against Ray Whitney if he doesn't believe you. Well, can we're do gonna it. do it. and We're gonna video the whole thing so you'll be abreast of what happens. Yeah, I'll I'm come. gonna throw lasers at that thing. And the Fuck other the thing, nights. the other thing Ray claims is that he can get the full length of ice to pick up as much speed as he wants, and Ray will stand at the yeah. other end. And he said he won't move me an inch. Full speed, I get as not much. me. He won't move Ray. I'm not involved. In Ray this. can't move an inch. He says. No, I, I I agree that you wouldn't be able to move him. Like, as in, like, you're taking a run on him. What if I just launch my – what if I'm skating 20 miles an hour, which I got speed, dude. <laughs> no. Look at the legs. They're built for speed. And I just launch myself at Ray Whitney. You don't think I can make him budge? No, it's a, he'll, he'll, he'll know how to find his edge of where you're coming from, and that's one thing about Ray. I mean, he was – he was he was an undersized guy, but and, and he was one of the guys that paved the way for these mm-hmm. smaller guys of today. Like people don't understand when when Ray Whitney broke in, there weren't many small guys. I think he would say that uh, Theo Fleury was probably the guy, the smaller guy, and the way he played, he was uh, Ray wasn't as like as as crazy of a player and as you know running around and hammering guys and yapping, but he. Yeah, and he he could he could take the abuse, and he found a way. I think he had over eleven hundred points in the NHL. Mm-hmm. So Ray is he played uh, for like three decades. <laughs> well, he should have a lot of twenty three seasons. Yeah, yeah. It, it was his off ice habits, though, as far as his diet's concerned, and the way he worked out in the gym. Ray Whitney was uh, he was a true professional, and I'm happy I got to play with him. And an unbelievable storyteller. I, uh, one I, of the most fun guys you can ever play golf with. Did he the come best. on this podcast? Not yet. He's, he's been out. Of te- he's been he's out gone all summer. He I have be. been begging him to come on Spit and Chicklets because he also played in all these different eras with all these different mm-hmm. teams where he played with a bunch of Hall of Famers. He he could probably come on for a three hour podcast and he would every story would be banger after banger. Yep. He's yeah, got he's got ones. it. And he made up for his lack of yapping in the NFL on the golf course because you get him out there and he doesn't shut his. his uh, and he's a- nice. Like, he's a legit what. Plus one. one, yeah, he's good. Dude, he's good. Ask him about his uh, pregame rich- ritual and playoffs before he. Uh, oh, okay. Before, I think it was the year they won the cup, and then he even did it when he was in Arizona. The year we went on our run, and yeah. that's all I'm going to say. He had a pregame ritual before he left the house. All right, we'll save that. Right. We'll save he, that for when he comes. He actually on. caddied for me in my last tour event at I, Phoenix Open. He was shit in his pants, not like the paper route, but pretty comparable. He was nervous. He was nervous. Oh, really? Yeah. He also butchered Graham. He caught it for Graham Dillette at the Olympics, the Canadian, and mm-hmm. he uh, messed up and forgot the yardage book. And I just sprint back like 300 yards on the first hole and get the yardage but book. But he's an athlete. So he's all for two. In but the he caddy. can handle it. So yeah, yeah. don't ever. No, ask he him did for great for me. He was just nervous. Don't ever. Ask, yeah, he's got that nervous energy. All right, is it my turn? Yep. All right, next question, basic one. Favorite NHL NHL city to party in after a game? Uh, Chicago was really mm. good to us. Where where it would be where our road trips would take us and we would be there for a couple of days so we would we could really get after it when you'd have two days before the next game, uh, Chicago was where we had my my first rookie party and actually where my uh, my good friend Taylor Pyatt who lives in town here ended up meeting <laughs> yeah. his his future wife at uh, at at one of the places we ended up going. Uh, Na- Nashville was great because we had a lot of older guys my first couple of years where you know they were professionals they wouldn't drink as much as us younger guys but Nashville seemed to be the place that everybody would go out and, and we would go out as the full team 
even donor would be out and maybe even have a couple pops if we were lucky and you had the live music and you know I just I really embraced the city of Nashville it was a it was a blast um as far as like getting after it getting after it I would say uh LA was top notch if you if you went up to Vancouver though Vancouver or Toronto if you went there as a hockey player and didn't get laid you you'd might as well <laughs> if you were looking for it you might as well saw, saw your dick off and hand it in it didn't matter. I think you're going to get to every city at some point. Yeah. 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 You know what else? Oh, Dallas. I did, I did pretty and good there. Tampa's pretty good. <laughs> if I could pick one, though, I would say going to Vancouver was always awesome, and that's probably why I ended up spending my summers there at one point mm. towards the end of my career. I started going there every summer to train. and Vancouver's yeah. incredible. And, and crush. All right. Crush. This that one, leads in perfect to the This is one's kind of tough. Okay. Two of your buddies, Ryan Whitney and the rear, Admiral, are drowning in the ocean. You only got one life jacket to save mm. save one of them. Who's it going to get thrown Ooh, to? This could cause some dissension. Well, RA can't swim. And we just <laughs> did a we just did a boating excursion and he went in the water and and Donnie does had to save him. So, I would imagine Wit would have the best chance to survive without one, so I probably have to give it to Rear. And that's nothing against Wit. I'm just I'm saying is there's no way <laughs> Rear is surviving swim. without a life jacket. All right, perfect. But if we're talking from a a monetary standpoint, I mean, I think Wit is is the great storyteller of our podcast, and he's I think he's we need him. He, he's more valuable. He's to the, the star of the show. He's the he's that we call him the uh, um, what's what's his, her name Whitney 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 Whitney, uh, Whitney Houston. Oh, Whitney Houston. Because he's the because he's Whitney the Cummings. Well, she because no, he's the diva of the podcast. Oh. You know, we got to make sure we got to make sure Wit's happy. Wit, everything good. Just show up and tell the stories, and, and we're good. We'll do all the rest. He's like Mariah. You yes. gotta have that bubble bath before. He's got a rider list this yeah. long. Yeah, oh. I need Fiji water, but from Fiji. I'm not talking about yeah. bottle. Fly yeah. it in. All right, last one, dude. This you just touched on, it, so this is perfect. You got a nice track record with the ladies, okay? Very well documented. If you could take a run at one current celebrity, who would it be? Yeah, think about this, dude. If my girlfriend listens to this, she's got to be happy that she, I haven't given it any type of thought yeah. as of late. It used yeah. to be Scarlett Johansson mm, back bad. in the day, and I she's I mean she's evolved into like a super superstar actress too. I just saw that movie Jojo. You Rabbit. could take Ryan Reynolds awesome. too. Are they still dating? Is that a no? Thing? No, he's with no. Uh, Blake Lively. No, my there you man. Go. I'm, I'm not. I'm out of my TMZ. Scarlett Joe, not her now. Okay. Um, washed up. I think the girl from Wolf of Wall Street would have been my Margot, oh, Margot, Margot Robbie. Robbie. Yeah. Yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah. She uh, she she frequents Ranger games and she's always got the Lundquist jersey on. Ooh. I mean, Christ, if I, yeah, that would. I if I looked like that guy and he's got an absolute wrench on him too. Apparently, <laughs> guys, we've had guys on the podcast that you know we 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 have some yeah. cock talk once in a while. We joke around about it, and apparently he's got an absolute weapon on Great. him. Good looking, per- good at a sport, perfect comb over, absolute weapon. <laughs> he's he, I mean he's a model through and through. He's married, but man, if I was him playing in NYC, I don't know if I would ever got married. I would, I, and <laughs> I think awesome. he probably wouldn't have been would have been able to take a run at uh, Margot Robbie. Mm. All right, Margot, that's a hard one to yeah, hard to argue with. Yeah. Always at the yeah. top of the list. And she's an incredible actress, too. Yeah, she is. The Duchess. Well, Biz, it's been an absolute pleasure, man. Yeah. Thank you so yes. much. That was fun. You're a legend. Thanks for coming on, dude. We'll get that uh, sandbagger deal lined up, and I'll keep you abreast of this Ray Whitney back. What are your guys' handicaps? It's happening. Plus two. Plus four. Oh, you've fallen off a little bit since retiring? Yeah, just a little bit. No, plus four, not four. Like, 
Oh, so you're you're yeah. the other way. Yeah, you're, yeah, yeah. Like a minus four from what you're thinking. Come on, man. I'll yeah, always yeah. have it. I ain't going to be a four. I was going to say, how the God. f*** did you get on tour if, you, if you're that shit? He's a four. He's a seven. <laughs> I'll play you straight up, bitch. He's a 76, 77 guy. Yeah. I, 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 I think I'm going to be coming in. Oh, ask Ray Whitney about when we played at Whisper Rock. And then I tweeted out after uh, about uh, seeing uh, the, the bra for Mickelson's bitch tits in the locker. And then and then I, I basically am never allowed back at Whisper Rock. Uh, well, I, that's where we're members. Well, we'll slide you back. Back in. We'll, I, we'll, get you. we'll sneak you, you in the back. Do you think they would oh, allow yeah. us to do it there? Yeah. Oh, I don't know. Maybe we'll see. Uh, we'll maybe try. we have to take this part out. But I think I shot a 130 there. Oh, good when, round. Yeah. Not bad. When, and I was standing over my ball for, for 30 seconds to a minute. So I know if, if I'm going back, Ray Whitney ain't inviting me. We're going to have to tee off late and try to finish That's before fun. dark. We can do that. it at Silverleaf for sure. <laughs> yeah, my redemption at Whisper Rock. The Sandbagger it. Invitational with Dude, Drew and Colt. We'll make it happen. All right. Love you, Biz Nasty. Appreciate you, brother. Boys, fun, thank, you. thank you. Thank you. Absolutely. Well, Sleaze, that was a rather entertaining interview with Biz Nasty. I mean, the hockey guys, they just let it go. They do, they do not give a damn about mm-hmm. much. And I like – i like we have a lot of the golfers on here. Obviously, we're a golf show. But I like mixing it up with some of the non-golfers sometimes. We've had football players, baseball players. Now we get some hockey guys in here. Ronick was great when he came in. The hockey dudes, if you were looking for, like, who would be the most fun to just go to the bar and sit down and have a couple with, like, they're, they're tough to top. Yeah, there's no doubt. I mean, these hockey guys, they are a blast. They like to golf, they like to gamble, and they like to party a little bit. And they got crazy, crazy stories. Incredible stories. Yeah. I love his uh, when he was a little mailboy back in the day. <laughs> yeah, can you imagine him just cruising around? Yeah, exactly. But, I like when he knocked the dude out and then brought the belt, knocked him out twice and then brought the belt out for the, the warm-up for the game the next dude, time. But it's also cool to see a guy. I mean, this guy, they have one of the most successful podcasts in the world. So it's cool to talk to him, pick his brain a little bit. I mean, they have like over 800,000 followers yeah, on Instagram. I think they're like the kind of anti, you know, buttoned up culture that you see on TV, right? They're just the dudes that played hockey. They know the game and they talk about it just exactly how guys would sit around talking mm-hmm. about it in their house. And people people like that. They don't want all the like official, you know, network type stuff right now. Yep. Biz Nasty does love golf. Him and his partner, Ryan Whitney, have started the Sandbagger Invitational where they play a couple other hockey guys or some people from other sports. It's a lot of fun. We're trying to work our way into doing a little commentating when they come out here in Scottsdale. Would love that. Commentate or get on the course. We could shoot a grizz just like anybody else can you know what i mean yeah but they are doing some great things over at spit and chicklets there blast go check them out that's for sure but sleaze what a lineup we have coming up obviously we just talked about our florida triple earlier um we don't know quite the order yet but we're going masters week next week we're gonna do a little special preview show sponsored by chirp and later on we got lieutenant colonel dan rooney who's done unbelievable things for golf and his his uh folds, folds of, of honors honor. unbelievable great. and then like i said we got justin thomas ricky fowler matthew wolf stay Oof. tuned Some big guests coming your way. You're not going to want to miss it. That's going to do it for this week's Golf Subpar. 